0: The number one reason why they say no is because they're unaware of other opportunities in Kansas City. So if this opportunity that's convincing them to move doesn't work, then there's nowhere else to work. And that's not true. There are 3,700 tech companies in Kansas City Welcome to Growth & Code, a podcast where we explore the intersection of marketing and technology. Each week, we talk with entrepreneurs, technology leaders, startup founders, marketers, and sales executives about how they apply growth
1: marketing strategies and emerging technology in their businesses. And now, your host, Ryan Riggin. Hey, everybody. How you doing? This is Ryan Riggin, back with another episode of Growth & Code, a podcast where we talk about marketing and technology. And everything in between. Today's guest, uh, really honored to have Ryan Weber uh, on the podcast today. Ryan is the president of the KC Tech Council, which is a nonprofit organization here in Kansas City dedicated to uh, accelerating technology innovation uh, in KC. So I uh, really hope you enjoy this conversation. If you like tech and you like Kansas City, uh, you don't want to miss out. Guys, we are here today with Ryan Weber. Ryan is the president of the Casey Tech Council. Uh, Ryan, introduce yourself to our audience, uh, the people that may not be familiar with who you are.
0: Again, Ryan, I'm the president of Casey Tech Council. If you're not familiar with our organization, we are an industry association for tech companies in Kansas City. Uh, we have three main priority focuses of the organization. Uh, first and foremost is workforce development. Just about every tech company is hiring and looking for talent. We also do policy advocacy work at a city, state, and federal level, and then the third pillar, and probably the reason why most companies are involved with us, is industry access. We've got about 150 member companies and another 30 or so premier sponsors of the organization that fund us, and those are companies as big as Sprint and Cerner and Garmin and Google and Microsoft and a large a large number of small to medium-sized companies that are maybe less known but still very impactful in the industry.
1: Cool. So uh, tell me how you got into it. Like, Where were you before and how did this whole thing come about?
0: Yeah, I'm a fundraiser by trade. So I actually am a technologist a little bit, so I do know a little bit about technology. My tech career started in college when I was building websites for student organizations at K-State and uh, not very good at it, to be honest with you. I was using a, Dreamweaver, as many people know, and using HTML back in the day and the very original versions of HTML. But computers have always been something I've been very passionate about. And when I went to K-State, Kansas State, I couldn't get into any tech programs. Computer science was something that was only available in the College of Engineering. And there were so many what we called weed-out courses Mm -hmm. to be able to take that. And I remember taking computer science 101, mm-hmm. the first class on my first day of college. I showed up, and it was about Microsoft Word. And the teacher said, do any of you know how to use Microsoft Word? And all of us raised our hands. He said, okay, I'll see you at the final. And that was it. There was no you know, computer language training. or <laughs> none of that.
1: <laughs> when was this? I'm going to date you here. Uh,
0: it was the year 2000. <laughs>
1: okay, all right. <laughs> And Microsoft Word was the lead.
0: Yeah, and and so computer science, CIS 102 was Excel, and 103 was Access. That was the one where I actually had to learn a little bit about. And why, I don't know, because shortly thereafter, Microsoft killed Access. So it's not even available anymore. Uh, So I'm self-taught. I mean, I, I was always passionate about the Internet, computers, and I had to teach myself, like a lot of people did back then. Yeah, for sure. But it was kind of a nice little business in college. I mean, I was able to build websites for a little bit of money. It took longer than it probably should have for one person, but uh, that process is a lot more streamlined now. But anyways, uh, after college, I went into consulting and then into fundraising, running capital campaigns for small private foundations, fraternities, sororities, and other groups across the country, and then got out of the nonprofit world and started working for an angel investment group, which got me excited about startups. A lot of the deal flow coming through the organization were tech companies. And some of the weaknesses with that experience was that they didn't have access to other tech companies. And we had access to investors, and that was really my role, was helping bring more investors to the table. And this was in 2009, which was still a challenge, post-recession. But even a bigger challenge was finding people who could mentor and advise those companies. You know, we had a hard time for a mobile application that was incredibly innovative to find a Sprint executive who could serve on the board or even be an investor. Couldn't do it. And now that landscape has totally changed. That's my background.
1: Cool. Well, that's uh, that's a good story. So, this the Casey Tech Council was, I guess, incubated is the right word at, at the Sprint uh, Accelerator. Is that correct? Well, actually.
0: There's probably been 10 KC Tech Councils over the years that have changed names, morphed into other organizations, uh, been supported by things like the Kauffman Foundation and the Kansas City Area Development Council, and that was the most recent partnership. So we were with the KCADC under under a different name at the time under the KC Next name, and we spun out and changed names in May of last, well, sorry, May of 2015.
1: Cool. And, so, and then you lived at the Accelerator for, yeah. what, two or three years?
0: Just over a year. I mean, the, as soon as we uh, left KCAC, we moved right into the Accelerator. Sprint's been a huge sponsor and supporter of our organization. Yeah. It was incredibly important to be next to emerging tech companies yeah. and the programs that the Accelerator offered.
1: Cool. Well, so talk to me a little bit about co-working. So we're you know, we're sitting here at WeWork uh, in, in downtown Kansas City at Corrigan Station. Uh, my company is headquartered here. There's a, a plethora of other tech, media, entrepreneur, agency companies here. You guys are here. Talk about the importance of co-working and what it means to a tech community in a city like KC. So
0: there's, there's a tech council on almost every market. And many of them either work in co-working facilities, some of them run their own facilities, or have partnerships with national groups like we work. And there is such an importance around creating a community, with a, whether it be an industry, or the stage of company you're at, like a startup. Having that community is incredibly important. But there's a fine line <laughs> between community and forcing that community and creating one that fosters itself. And Some co-working facilities, I think, in the past really forced community and forced value. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a challenge. And those don't often stick around. But the ones that have lasted more than a couple of years, and obviously we work as a behemoth out there, um, there's extreme value in being located here. You are going to run into people who are influencers, who have the ability to help your company grow, but also the ability to answer stupid questions you may have about running a company. Yeah, um, you yeah, you can bang on the window next door and ask somebody those things. That's there's value in that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the ecosystem is really important. You know, especially where, where we're at. I mean, we're a five person company, and you know, being around uh, being around other entrepreneurs and other other companies and other you know even single person companies that can yeah. do you know video production or you know, this or that. It's uh, it's really nice. And, you know, there's something to be said for, I'm, I'm a big believer in remote cultures, but at the end of the day, like, it, it, I love the idea that our team has a place to call home. Um And, and you know, co-working has been that for us. Um,
0: yeah. Have you ever worked from home?
1: I have. I worked from home for, for about five years. Yeah. Uh, I loved it for a couple years. Yeah. And then I got to a place where, it just, you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing to to it's yeah it's super, yeah super lonely.
0: I was thankful to have a dog during those years where I worked from home because yeah, I sure. literally would find myself having conversations with the dog, <laughs> and you would look forward to things like conference calls, and, yeah, sure, and traveling because yeah. then you'd get out of the house. It's I mean it's an isolating experience. I think for there to be an affordable option, and now in Kansas City, there's probably ten options. Yeah. For you to pay a small monthly fee and avoid all of that isolation, there's huge value in that. Yeah. I mean, even for companies, I mean, we work with HP and Cisco, and they probably have 100 or so people in Kansas City. No office. Yeah. And things like WeWork and other facilities allow them a chance to have memberships for their folks to make them feel like they're part of a community, whether or not they're working for that company or not.
1: I think that's a good point. I think that's one of the most, or one of the, the common misconceptions about co-working is that it's for startups or for single, per, like freelancers. But man, if, if you're a ten-person sales organization and you have, you know, ten ten people in every market or whatever the number is, like, what better way to 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 house a team than, than a co-working facility?
0: Well, when you're traveling to? I mean, I you know, I used to be in consulting, so I traveled every week, and it would have been a huge value if my company had a WeWork membership because in the markets where there was a location I would much rather come here and work and crank out emails than a Panera Bread because yeah. that was my office and there's yeah. no other more depressing place than a hotel lobby or a Panera Bread and I'm sorry Panera lovers out there but um, food's great work environment sucks there Panera
1: yeah well and the consistency too like if yeah. you if you if you do it often yeah. if you need a place to like hey I'm in Chicago for the day and I need to camp out for two hours and do a conference call or two yeah. you, you can't rely on starbucks or panera or whatever being quiet or you know you, you you may not get the table you like or there's a whole host of other things
0: and panera kicks you off their wi-fi which is slow anyways after a certain amount of time so yeah, yeah. lots of challenges with that
1: so i know you were centurion tell me about that i know that's probably been pretty influential in your your uh, your your evolution i want to hear about that
0: this the centurions program has been very valuable so that was uh i graduated in 2016 i guess Two-year program with the Kansas City Chamber Leadership Development Program. Uh, there's about 40 people in each class. So there's about 80 people total in the program. And you know, it's been described in a number of different ways as kind of like getting an MBA in how Kansas City works and getting exposure to a lot of organizations that support Kansas City, especially nonprofit, community-based organizations. And that experience was was way more valuable than I ever thought possible. In fact, uh I work with a centurion that was in our class, Kara and I were, our vice president and I were in the same class together. And I probably, uh, on a weekly basis, run into, consistently in Kansas City, whether either at lunch or at events, centurions on a regular basis that makes this city feel very small. But the leadership development that you get through that, too, is incredible. I mean, the the content, the experiences of of volunteering at different organizations has really, really made somebody who grew up in Kansas City like me completely view the city differently. And now I find myself getting very passionate about civic issues, Yeah, like this this conversation with the airport mm-hmm. and uh, you're seeing all the different sides of that. Yeah. And even things where, you know, we're streetcars, where, you know, these are taxing districts and the way these things come about, um, it's been very eye-opening to me.
1: Yeah, I, I was not a centurion, but... Uh I think you and I maybe met through uh, a connection in Centurions, and I, I know a handful of people that have been through that program, and everybody just speaks volumes about it. Uh, yeah. uh, it it's, it's a nice, nice organization. So um, It's
0: 40 years in the making, by the way. So I bet the first class of Centurions, they look at the experience today and maybe get a little bit jealous. But there's, I think for anybody that invests time and money in doing these leadership programs, they're all worth it. But it's what you put in is what you get out. The people who get the least out of it go into those experiences for themselves. They're looking to make business relationships. They're looking to grow their network. That is never a good idea. Those outcomes happen because you added value to the program or experience, not the other way around.
1: That's a great point. I mean, I think the same thing can be said for... No, that's a really interesting point. Like, the same thing can be said for, you know, producing content. Yeah. Like what we're doing right now. Like, I don't really have an end game with this podcast. I mean I'm not, you know, we're we're the goal of this podcast is to start conversations right. and we're you know, we're we're after, you know, talking to influencers and folks that are, you know, uh that are involved in marketing and technology, telling great stories. Um and whatever happens happens and and you know, we're really interested in uh you know, developing, you know, helping tell the story of the people that we interview. Um, and we'll see what happens. I think the same thing. You know, you look at centurions, and and if you go into it trying to, you know, say every you know the fifty people in my class are all sales leads, then you're you're gonna, you know, it's the wrong way to look at it.
0: They fail. Those yeah. people fail, and you can stiffen out during the interview process usually. But even if they squeak through, they they fail the program.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, so you know, with with Casey Tech Council, you know, a lot of the people we talk to are, you know, for the most part. Uh, startup founders, or, or you know, executives at bigger companies, trying to you know build a product, or grow a product, and for you, uh, Kansas City's the product. Yeah, the tech industry. Yeah, you know. So, talk to me about like how do you how do you sell that, and who are you selling to, and you know who's the customer for the KC Tech Council.
0: It is very easy to start that answer with who we're not and who's not our audience. So we are not an association necessarily for startups. Uh, We work with the enterprise. We work with companies that are scaling and we work with the C-level of that company. We're not necessarily an organization for startup or for software developers or engineers, but for CIOs, CTOs, and CEOs of that organization. We realized many years ago that the C-level technology executives in Kansas City were not connected. Therefore, they weren't working towards any greater good, like policy efforts or making Kansas City an attractive destination for technology talent in their careers. They were just focused on their piece of the pie, basically. And now that we've been in this, and I've been in this role for almost six years, if you look at our board of directors, which is about 30 people, it is C levels from almost all of the major employers and a lot of small companies, too, because it's not a fundraising board. It's a bit of a thing in the nonprofit world, but we don't view it that way. And now that those folks have been together at the table talking about bigger issues, like how is Kansas City going to become the tech hub of the Midwest, it is a really, I, honestly, a privileged experience to be in the room with them as, as we start to solve some of those major problems. Yeah, and there's other organizations in town that focus specifically on things like recruiting talent. And our spin on it is you know, we, we launched an online job portal that allows us to sell Kansas City as well as having company profiles so you can learn about the culture of those companies, where those companies are located, who is hiring tech talent, and then also those open jobs. And that's shootkc, And we branded that separately to Tech Council so that it would be viewed as a draw for outside talent. The single greatest issue facing Kansas City's ability to grow our workforce happens in kind of three verticals. But on the recruitment front, it's actually a perception issue. And it's a low to zero perception about Kansas City. You know, when you drive a couple hours outside of this town, people are relatively unfamiliar with Cerner or what Cerner does, and Cerner's got 15,000 people that work in Kansas City, yeah. <laughs> it's a very large tech employer, yeah. And and you get to places like Chicago and they get a job offer from a company in Kansas City. The number one reason why they say no is because they're unaware of other opportunities in Kansas City. So if this opportunity that's convincing them to move doesn't work, then there's nowhere else to work. And that's not true. There are 3,700 tech companies in Kansas City and a workforce of about a hundred thousand people. There's thousands of open jobs at various levels, and there's huge opportunity in Kansas City.
1: So 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 the the people, the member organizations, the member companies, you've got C-level executives, CIOs, CTOs from you know, Sprint, HR Block, BATS, you know, the list goes on and on. And and when 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 those kinds of executives are trying to sell Kansas City uh to you know are trying to sell talent to come to kansas city Uh, you know it it sounds like what what the kc tech council does is get them all working together to sell this you know this community as a whole versus just selling cerner or selling do you think that's a result of you know the companies that the, the larger tech companies that are here do they just not tell their story or i mean like look at like I'm a cyclist, and and uh, you know I, I sort of follow Garmin, and I talk to people in the cycling world all the time that have no idea that Garmin is headquartered in KC or Olathe. You know, I mean, are, are there other like, like Bats? I bet you, you know, you go ask somebody at, in, at the New York Stock Exchange where where Bats is, and they. The...
0: It's easy to say that the, the companies are doing enough, but. It is a bit of our Midwestern humbleness to not brag about what's going on here. And the leaders of those companies often have that same culture where they're very humble and they're not necessarily on the media tours and you know talking and bragging about Kansas City and where they're from. And it has an impact, it really does. But also the way that we've branded ourselves isn't necessarily attracting that tech workforce either, because we really just talked about a few things, and it's the same few things that every city talks about. Food, arts, culture, music, lifestyle, affordability. This is the same recipe of economic development that almost every city, especially Midwestern cities, use. So for us to evolve, we need to start talking about something else that truly makes us unique.
1: So what is that unique Element?
0: Well, I think for for this audience specifically, Kansas City is a tech town, it is the tech hub in the Midwest. The numbers prove it. In the Midwest being defined as middle America, north of Dallas, south of Chicago, we're it. And it's time for us to start acting like it. But we can prove it with the data, the opportunities that are here. But the last thing we should ever talk about is cost. And I think, and anybody who's listening to this too will know. Kansas City is a pretty affordable place
1: sure.
0: and much more affordable than anywhere on the coast. But it certainly is not a competitive advantage because if you're making $100,000 a year in San Francisco and you get a job opportunity in Kansas City for $80,000 a year, you're not going to take it. Yeah. That math just doesn't work out. Even though your take-home pay, your, your lifestyle would be so much larger in Kansas City, nobody cares. In fact, I'm convinced that very few people care about cost because population is exploding cities that
1: are unaffordable yeah that's an interesting perspective um all right so let, let's hear about shoot so you've got this you know you have the casey tech council you you made this decision to brand shoot as a separate product which i think is absolutely the right decision um, what sort of how does that look like how did it start it was it incubated outside of you know in in like what what was the process like? did you did did it start in a in a brainstorming meeting like, hey, we need to build this product or did it just kind of uh, happen?
0: Yeah, it was definitely strategic. So we knew that from our from our member companies listening to our customers, marketing their jobs was an issue. They were using standard job boards, like the ones that we're all familiar with, and seeing very bad results, and often what they would consider spam. I mean really. Uh, There was a lot of companies even from outside Kansas City that were leveraging those job boards to take people out of this market. And that's a problem Mm -hmm. because uh, as important as recruitment is, so is retention. And when you've got companies like Amazon and others who are intentionally promoting their jobs in this market just to steal talent, that's a problem. But Shoot was built specifically to attract people to companies that they may not be aware of. And really to a city first, because we know talent chooses a city before anything else. They choose a company based on culture, location, people, uh, products, things like that, before they ever pick a job. So that was, through a lot of focus groups, learning the progression of how talent finds opportunities. There really wasn't anything out there. And so we reached out to a few of our development partners in town and asked them how much would it cost to build. And would one of us want to partner on that? And so Black Ops Development, local Kansas City software development firm, uh, rose to the occasion and and won the project over a few others and have been a great partner ever since. But there's a lot of other key things about Shoot that allows us to be a very smart tech council. And it produces data, great data. In fact, uh, we've learned a lot about Kansas City's tech workforce needs in a couple of years of running this portal, specifically. The companies we work with aren't necessarily looking for entry level talent. They're looking for people that have five to seven years experience. And guess what? So is every other company. Sometimes these people don't exist, they're kind of like unicorns, but that's the market that we need to be advertising to. So we do place a number of social media ads, Facebook, Twitter, and buy all the resources that Shoot generates, we buy ads with those resources. Kansas City is not actually our number one web traffic city.
1: Okay, that's interesting. (laughs) Let's hear about, how's that work?
0: 40% of our web traffic comes from Chicago. Huh. And it comes from people in Chicago with families.
1: Interesting.
0: And I think the narrative that we can create out of that is that people are looking to get out of Chicago once they have families. Yeah. It's a very expensive place. Schools are not at the quality they are here, and they're looking at other Midwestern cities, and they're
1: finding us. Yeah, I mean, Chicago's a great place to live when you're 23 and single. I mean, yeah. I lived there for a year, and I loved it. I mean, yeah. It was one of the best years of my life, you know. But the second I was ready to, you know, buy a house and have some kids and you know, wife, you know, it's like, hey, this this isn't going to work.
0: They're looking, yeah, those folks are looking at Kansas City, yeah, for sure. So we would have never been. We would have guessed that, but now we know that based on web analytics through Google and also through our user base. You know, we know enough about our users to know who they are and where they're from. So we buy ads in Chicago. We also are, have licensed this product now to other tech councils, including the Illinois Technology Association in Chicago, which isn't why our web traffic is what it is. But um, you know, they're, we're all in the same war for tech talent and. Uh, In Chicago, it's a very different workforce need. Most of the jobs posted on the ITA talent portal have been account reps, sales folks, uh, some engineering. But in Kansas City, it's almost all engineering and technology skill-focused.
1: Cool. So what's the marketing stack look like? Let's get to the meat of, you know, to the extent that you can talk about it. Like, what kind of tools do you have set up? Do you you run, shoot as a totally separate roadmap from what's going on at KC Tech Council? And what, what sort of tools do you use to acquire users get them to do things, analytics, what's that stack look like?
0: We have recently shifted to almost a complete focus on Facebook ads. The partners and the different portals that Facebook uses to distribute those ads is so sophisticated now that I think it's a great use of the dollar. So we obviously as a nonprofit, don't have a significant amount of resources to throw at this. So our few hundred dollars a month that we can have our ads run on from a budget standpoint, we need to be very specific with that. Yeah. The great thing is we know the audience we're looking for. You know, We're not targeting college kids. I think every brand in this world is targeting college students. We're not. We know because our customers have told us these are the people we're looking for. So in all of our Facebook ads, we take the group of skill sets that are currently being advertised for open jobs, plug those into the data set for, for ads as well as location, and age and demographics. That's who we're looking for. It's very specific.
1: Cool. And so, I mean, how, how deeply are you tracking, you know, user accounts and who views what jobs and, you know, and, and the behaviors of the web traffic? Like, how, how deep does that stack go? Do you, do you use Facebook for all that, or do you have some sort of...
0: Yeah, and Google Analytics, yeah. which recently had a huge update to their platform, and it's amazing what you can learn just from the free... Google Analytics account that they give everybody, it's it's amazing. And you can learn so much about your user base.
1: Yeah, Google and Facebook both. I mean, every time we talk to a client about analytics or, you know, yeah. building a marketing stack, the, the first question is, well, do you have analytics installed? Do you have the Facebook pixel installed? If the answer is no, you just start there and, you know, give it a week and see what your traffic patterns are like, and then we can yeah. talk. Um, right. It's fascinating. You, you can... You you can dig so deep, and with all the event tracking and, and sort of things, you can you can build some pretty interesting flows uh, and, and advertise to people that are in different places.
0: Yeah, and we haven't necessarily built a shoot audience, but we we leverage the Tech Council audience because that audience was very mature, already built uh, you know, thousands of folks on Facebook, tens of thousands on Twitter. So we were lucky to already have that audience. So we leverage the tech council's audience to brand that product and really start to get that off the ground. But when it comes to online ads, that's all shoot. And that's why we branded that separately.
1: So does shoot have its own uh, Facebook presence and its, it's own page? Okay.
0: It's not as active as we use leverage the tech council's audience to promote that product. Got it. And thinking about, you know, if anyone's wondering well why did an association build a product? Yeah you know, <laughs> I get invited to so many different tech events and these are kind of things that associations do, as far as like if simple, simple uh, expectations. is an association hosts a number of events, and by the way, we do—we host like thirty more or more events a year. We have one tomorrow, and that's not—it's becoming harder and harder to fund programs. It has become much more beneficial for us to create products that our members and customers use and the data that that product offers us allows us to be in a completely different thought leadership standpoint than a program or event and that's what we'll continue to do we got more in the pipeline
1: yeah i could see that i think it's awesome i mean especially in terms of setting yourselves apart as a technology organization the fact that you actually have a technology product yourself i mean it's it's you know you guys are you guys are talking the, you know talking the talk you know it's uh, it's great yeah, we're
0: leveraging the expertise for our members too. Because yeah. uh, even though I know enough about technology to be dangerous, if you're not in it every day, you can't be an expert. Uh, so we leverage those experts in that field.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, technology too. You building a product is is a lot. A lot of times about um, you know, obviously you've got to learn who the customer is and build a product that they want and all that. But I mean, at the end of the day, you got to make some mistakes, right? You got you got to get in it. You got to roll your sleeves up, build the product, learn from what you're you know what, what you're building and so talk to me what's the biggest mistake you've made if you had one do over with with the uh what was shoot what would it be
0: you know at first we required users to authenticate before they could ever see jobs mm-hmm. and some so people just don't want to do that yeah. and you know you learn about user experience user design as you make mistakes and i think that was something that we made at the beginning and, and changed later We're like you know we just need to have the jobs available for anybody to browse yeah. but if you want to click on the link and you want to get the value out of that, then we, we need, to, you need to authenticate. We need to know that we're sending you a real user yeah. to that company's website to apply for the job. And so that was important to us. But the greatest learning experience actually came through licensing that product. Okay. Licensing it to another association who would ask questions and make us really challenge the product that we built and, and building them a the product that they wanted. And again, it's listening to your customers. This isn't rocket science, right? Yeah. But it was amazing how much we learned through working with another tech council. Okay.
1: Uh, so did they come to you guys and say, "Hey, could you know, can we license this?" Or how did that happen?
0: Yeah, actually, it was, we licensed it to a different uh, industry, uh, auto mechanics, actually. Really. <laughs> yeah, totally separate to this conversation. So it wasn't our first rodeo, but it was the first time that we were actually building a platform for another similar usage.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting pivot you know I mean what you got one one product that is a you know it's one model that, that the idea is to get people to come there and create you know accounts and create jobs and apply for them and then over here you have a, a SaaS platform or however it's you know
0: yeah we run a SaaS platform now that's right Interesting. it's a you know, it's a multi-domain platform so we can easily spin up other shoot like products for different industries different associations you name it but yeah we that's a value add that we have for folks all across the country in fact we're in conversations with a number of different markets right
1: now that's awesome so is the dev team for that uh growing Uh, or is is the is shoot itself creating jobs
0: yeah actually it will be soon (laughs) yeah we'll we'll need somebody full-time as these as these users come on board but in the meantime we've got you know our partners still at black ops development who are helping project manage especially on the development side and we can manage everything else on the on the user side. But eventually as this grows, yeah,
1: we'll need to have full-time people. Awesome. And that's great. Um, well so talk to me about uh you know your family. You got wife, kids, what what's the uh single no kids. Single no kids. Awesome. That that's pretty good stuff. So okay, what about uh you know uh in, in the in the tech community in, in a city like this or any city really, you know, conferences, speakers. Uh, you know that sort of thing are super important I think uh, TEDxKC was last week I'm sure you attended what what was your the most interesting talk that you listened to like if you if you could go back and watch one of those or recommend one of those to the audience what would it be
0: gosh I uh, actually gave my tickets away to our team to go to TEDxKC um, so I did not attend this year's but in previous years I have and there's one, and this is gonna to sound totally silly, that has stuck with me, but it was I like when people break down very complicated problems into very easy solutions, execute on that, and prove just how easy it is. And there was one where at the time this was great, because we were building the streetcar in Kansas City and we were figuring out, you know, how are we gonna create density and public transportation and all that. And his concept was you should use the same principles as a ski resort does in using ski chairs and gondolas to move people from point A to point B. And all these different examples of cities across the world that have done this, think about it. A ski resort moves about 100,000 people over incredibly difficult terrain seamlessly with very few lines throughout the entire day. And they do all, it's all electric, very few, these things, they back up with diesel generators or whatever, but... um, over miles of, and miles of terrain and, and obviously huge peaks, they have no problems doing it. But yet, here we put streetcars at street level with cars parked park cars and people getting in the way. And it was just kind of an interesting way of thinking about it. Um, I don't know if I would ever share a ski chair with somebody and go to work. <laughs> or a gondola with a stranger. I don't know. Um, but I mean, he's right. He's, we're thinking about these things and making it very complicated, and it can be very affordable, easy to install. I don't know if the ski chair is a solution, but that one that one stuck with me. was something that is already out there, but yet never would be thought of in an urban environment. But imagine taking a gondola into your office, getting off, going to work, and then it takes off with somebody else. It's not difficult.
1: That'd be pretty cool. I'm going to have to look that one up. Interesting. All right. Okay, well... I'll Google that. So, what about uh, this? Is a random question, but what about sports? So, you know, Kansas City uh, over the last two years, obviously has, uh, you know, we, we've had a nice run with the Royals, right? How has, if at all, has that increased visibility for what you guys are doing? I mean, has it helped at all?
0: Yeah, the Royals are a great sales team. Winning the World Series, I think, is a huge uh, win for everybody in the town. Yeah, I'm a little frustrated though. Okay. If you watched the World Series, or even when we hosted the All-Star Game, it was very predictable what people would say about Kansas City. Barbecue, yeah. jazz, okay. that was it. Yeah, And you know I'm certain that there was somebody from Kansas City that had the ear of the producer that was looking for those sound bites. We've got to evolve that story. If there's anything that people already know about Kansas City, it's that we have great barbecue here. And we do. Yeah. I don't think we should undersell that. We do. We have the best barbecue in the country. We should act like it. Can we talk about anything else? Yeah. <laughs> can we can we can we take shots of anything else besides the fountains and things like that? I know those are some of the items that make cancer unique. Yeah. Every city's got fountains.
1: Yeah, that's a great point I mean, you know If you want to tell the story of, of tech I mean, go 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 take a shot of the interior of, of BATS Like, I walked into that office And I was blown away There's a hundred flat panels and
0: Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean The second largest stock exchange in the world here I mean, uh, one of the largest healthcare IT companies I mean, All that I mean, it's, it, we've got to evolve that story And granted, we're, we are not the organization That is the PR team for Kansas City Yeah But we could help Yeah uh, I think there's others that we need to put pressure on to be more in the face of the. When we get a national TV opportunity, we shouldn't keep talking about the same things over and over again. And otherwise, our perception, which we were talking about earlier, never changes.
1: So, how can uh, like an organization like WeWork help that, you know, evolve that story?
0: Well, I think it's validating. WeWork is only in cities that have opportunity for them yeah. and clearly I mean, they, they rented four floors of this building yeah. and invested a lot of money here because they see a lot of opportunity in Kansas City. so I think it's validating for them yeah, to choose yeah. us.
1: Yeah, I saw the other day they took, what was it, $4.4 4 billion yeah. from the guy from SoftBank?
0: Amazing. They're incredible. They have, I mean, it's a, WeWork that owns nothing and yeah. rent everything yeah. has extreme value because the service they provide, people want.
1: So I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Where, where can our audience find out about you know, how to get involved? How can they contribute uh, and, and, and find out about KC Tech Council and Shoot?
0: Well, obviously go to the web, uh, kctechcouncil.com, shootkc.com for, uh, if you have interest in posting jobs or creating a company profile. Obviously, we'd love to have more companies involved in our membership, so if that's a conversation I can have with anybody, we're happy to do that. We host a number of events throughout the year. We also promote all the different other technology events in Kansas City. There's hundreds of them.
1: Good, good deal. Well, listen, Ryan Weber, everybody, president of the KC Tech Council uh, and Shoot KC. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. <laughs>
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks. That was Ryan Weber from the KC Tech Council. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Uh, if you want to check them out, just go to Google search for KC Tech Council or Facebook. Uh, you also go to shootkc.com to check out the job board that we mentioned. Um, if you want to check out our podcast, uh, you can go to uh, measuremedia.com slash podcast uh, or look us up on Facebook as well. Take care.